Hello world, this is America's Supermom, and this is a special edition that I call the Corona Chronicles. During this time, we are suffering from a pandemic that is affecting everyone across the world. We are joined with the um, rules and regulations of uh, being shelter in place, which means we are limited with the ability to go about our daily business, confined to our homes based on a coronavirus that has been sweeping the entire world. Um, for some people, the effects could be mild. Uh, for others, it can be fatal. So we are coming together as um, a community, as uh, a family during this time of difficulty to share what it is like um, in our part of the world, how we are affected, and the things that we have in common, what kind of problems that um, are taking place in our industries and in our relationships and finances, and coming together so that we can um, plan for a better tomorrow. As this epidemic or pandemic um, crosses the world, you know, we are waiting for um, relief. We're waiting for the virus to um, die off and uh, for us to go back to some state of normalcy, whatever that may be, um, after um, things kind of settle down. So what is that going to look like once the dust settles? You know, how are things going to be different? So as we go through this um, process, we're coming together as a world to create ideas, strategies, connect in ways that we have never connected before. So that is the purpose of the special podcast that I call the Corona Chronicles so that we can get some insight and have empathy and compassion on one another create new innovative ideas that can not only improve our life but our fellow brothers and sisters across the world thank you so much for joining us uh, i want to thank you guys for joining me today i am really excited about my next guest olick um i'm gonna let him pronounce his last name <laughs> <laughs> but um we have met through a friend uh, on LinkedIn, Lisa Jamison. So I'm really excited uh, to where this uh, introduction has led us. We have uh, really been able to talk on several occasions and through interviews of the sort to um, really be able to uh, shed the light on learning, how we can evolve, and we can change our mindset on a regular basis. This is something that I'm really excited about because Many of us, as we are dealing with the current landscape of events and dealing with things that are happening outside of our control, it's really uh, a breath of fresh air to see the things that we can control that can really change the trajectory of our lives on a daily basis. So at this time, I'm going to give Oleg the floor so that he could introduce himself. I appreciate it. Thank you so much for having me on the show. And the first question, I guess, is the pronunciation of the last name. Yeah. <clears throat> and the last name is pronounced Lohid. 
Okay. And it's actually um, <clears throat> Canadian mm-hmm. as, <clears throat> as far as the origin that comes. And my first name is Russian. So mm-hmm. the way that I typically tell it to people when I'm asked what my name is, is, as, is I introduce myself and then I have to follow it up with, this is probably the most common American name you'll meet to kind of break the, uh, break the laughter <laughs> and um, <laughs> they create some sort of commonality because neither of those are tr- true. Mm-hmm. I, I don't think there are because I haven't actually met anyone who shares um, both of those names. But I really do appreciate being on your show and being given this opportunity to share our story and the different experiences that we've had in our lives one of the things that really stands out to me about who you are as an individual is your ability to truly pay attention to the words that you use. Mm. And I think that's, um, I I know it's a skill without a doubt that gets developed over time through self-awareness. And it's always a pleasure to share that space with you and recognize just how much effort you have put into your own life and into the work that you do in order to get to this particular point. Oh, thank you so much. That means a lot. Mm-hmm. So tell us the, um, you know, let's just start here with the name. So we mm-hmm. have a Russian name and uh, a name, a last name of a different origin. So uh, tell the audience how that came about, you know, to where you are today. Mm-hmm. Well, the story truly begins in Russia, and that is the country that I was born in and had lived for my first 12 years of my life in a town called Chubarkul. And as you mentioned earlier in the introduction, many of us face different challenges and obstacles Mm -hmm. and adversities throughout life. And I believe the difference is between those who choose to pursue the path that they were born into and those that choose to create a different trajectory in life are the choices that we make with Mm -hmm. due to those circumstances. Mm -hmm. And for me, my first three to four to maybe five years initially appeared to be normal as far as I was living under one roof with my sister and my mom. My father was absent from the time of my birth. And there's still some mixed stories as far as who he was or what had had happened to him. But it was at that age that my world had changed completely. Mm -hmm. And what I mean by that is my mom, who had some experience with alcohol in those three to four to five years of my, my life, had drastically changed her position in it and started to drink even more. And what it left us with was a situation where my sister, who was 18 years older at the time, essentially had to become my legal guardian. She had to become my quote-unquote mom. Mm-hmm. And I never asked the question, and I bet there will, there will be a time when I do ask that question. But I would be curious to know how, what, made your, what made her want to say yes to becoming my guardian? Because... Mm-hmm. Yes, she was my sister, and yes, we are blood-related. But did she want to have a child? Did she want to take care of someone at that particular age? Mm -hmm. And what were the sacrifices that she had to make 
giving up certain dreams because that's one of the things that I've learned when kids enter the picture is that certain dreams evolve. The roadmap to how you are going to achieve it evolves because of the time that you are having to split between different things that you that all, all of a sudden become priorities in life. And so for me, that start in life, what it gave me a chance to see is that no matter how difficult the circumstances got, that I always had something within me, something inside of me that kept telling me that you can do it. You can find a way. Yes, you've, you've been dealt this set of cards, but it doesn't mean that you, can find, you can't find new ones. Mm -hmm. And it doesn't mean you can't replace some of these other ones. <clears throat> and from that point on, what it led me was on the journey of complete self-discovery. A lot of the moments were filled with survival-type situations. And then the first pivotal point that I encountered came when I was nine years old. I was a nine-year-old kid, and I had somehow heard of this system called an orphanage. <clears throat> and that's when I chose to actually give up my parents' rights to go into that system with the thought that it was through that system that I would be able to put myself in a better situation than the one that I was born into to have a better life. Now, going into that system, for any of, your, any of the listeners who are familiar with it, mm -hmm. there are a lot of elements that are true as far as how it's perceived in the media. Is there abuse? Without a doubt. Are there different forms of quote-unquote discipline that you're being taught? Absolutely. But what I began to realize was that in that particular moment, and many years to follow, I had a choice in how I viewed that place. I had a choice in whether or not I looked at that place as a place of horror or a place of opportunity. Mm. And for me, I gravitated towards opportunity because when I opened myself up to what that, that place truly had to offer, that's when I was able to actually find a hidden talent of mine, which was folk singing. Folk singing, folk singing was not something that uh, <laughs> was not something that was within my family or anything like that. But it truly came from a place that I didn't know existed, and it was through half hour to one hour music lessons that we were required to take while living in the at the orphanage that I tapped into this skill. And over time, just begin to reaffirm myself that, hey, there's something here. Mm. I didn't have an understanding of whether or not this was the thing that was going to get me out of the life that I was in. Mm -hmm. But I did have this feeling that there's something special in here. There's something that might help me get to wherever it is that I envision going. Now, I had no dreams of coming to the United States. Mm -hmm. In fact... I wouldn't even say I knew what United States truly was because the only way that we were described of United States was that it was a place of opportunity. Mm. And as a nine or 10 year old kid, I don't even think I knew what that meant. Mm -hmm. What does it mean to actually think in opportunity when you, when you feel like you haven't had 
many opportunities mm. leading up to that moment. And so through that system and through those folk singing lessons, I slowly noticed myself performing in front of other schools, at openings of zoos. And then one thing started to lead to another. And at 11 years old, when I, in 2004, our orphanage had received a letter from an adoption agency in Ann Arbor, Michigan called Hands Across the Water that said, if you guys can put together a group of kids, we'll fly you here. You'll perform in front of, the, in front of some of the families that are looking to adopt kids from Russia. And then hopefully the adoption process will start. Mm. And so we ended up coming here on a two week exchange where we performed at some of the local churches in Ann Arbor and the surrounding towns. And six to seven months, maybe to a year later from that initial visit, I believe that's when my adoption finally took place. And I was able to be adopted by a family from the same town, Ann Arbor, ended up coming here to U.S., didn't speak any English, didn't know anything about this part of the world, but once again had this drive within me that no matter how difficult the obstacle may be in front of me, that I can figure it out. Mm-hmm. That there's always a way as long as there's a will. And I think it was through that continued belief that I was really able to work through a lot of the challenges that I was faced with and then use those experiences to build a space for other people to relate, to be seen, to be appreciated. And to understand that there's so much power within our stories and our experiences Mm -hmm. and that each and every single one of them is unique to who we are. And I believe it's our duty to share those experiences with others. That is just awesome. I mean, there's so many different um, questions that I could ask. The first thing is just that inner knowing of you can do Mm -hmm. it. So being so young, you know, and having this um, guidance, what did that look like? Because, you know, you're in an orphanage with other kids that are older than you, younger than you, your age. What was that like every day, your interaction with them? Because it's just so profound how ahead of your time you sound like you were. Mm-hmm. And what what was your daily routine like? I mean, just describe that for us. Mm-hmm. Well, I think that the difference that I noticed, and I, I noticed this in many other situations even today, is that when I first entered the orphanage, without a doubt, there was fear. Mm-hmm. There was fear of the unknown. There was also this concept or this vision that I was painted that going into the orphanage was going to be the place where I met all of my quote-unquote friends and Mm -hmm. family. Mm -hmm. But in reality, you also have to think about it this way. I was a nine-year-old kid that did have an understanding of who his family was. Mm -hmm. And all of a sudden, I was put into this place with kids of all different ages, some as early as two or three, others as old as 15, 16, or 17 years old. And every single one of them had their own story. They had their own set of challenges, set of burdens that they were carrying. 
because not everyone got there the same exact way. Mm. Some of the stories I remember I was hearing, especially of the younger kids, was that they were literally dropped off on the footsteps of the orphanage. And that was the beginning to their life mm-hmm. of living in that place. So there was definitely fear of the unknown. There was fear of how I'm going to be perceived due to the story that I had lived mm-hmm. for all those years leading up to it. And then within, a, I think, maybe half a year to a year, I began to feel a lot more comfortable in knowing that everyone that was in that place had a story to share, had gone through some form of adversity. And I think that the thing that bonded most of us was that theme of neglect, abandonment that we had all shared. Mm. And so simultaneously, it had created this equal playing field for all of us to operate in. Mm. The second thing that really clicked for me in that particular experience and something that I choose to rely on in almost every single encounter is this feeling where you get enough of an understanding of the group setting that you are in and you really just focus on expressing who you are without having to wear a mask, without having to be perceived like others want you to be. And what I've learned was that it was through that authenticity, people can people really connect with you. Mm-hmm. And when you talk about things that quote unquote make you stand out, in my opinion, it's the authentic self. Mm-hmm. Because what I've learned is that I've been in situations, even within the past couple of years, where I've been in rooms full of individuals who had 10x the money that I had, who had job titles that were well beyond my experience. But yet, in those situations, I still found ways to connect with people like that. Mm -hmm. And I think the reason why is because I continued to lead from within. Mm -hmm. I knew who I was. I knew what I stood for. And that's where I, I operated from. And that's what the orphanage, I believe, really instilled in me is the importance of it is no matter where I may be in life, there's always common ground that you can create. Mm-hmm. And sometimes, and maybe most times, you are the one that has to take initiative in creating that common ground through some sort of discovery questions and understanding who the person really is that you're talking to and what they've been through. And then using that information to create a space where both of you can operate from. But for me, that's, it, it's almost second nature in, in taking that role or taking the lead in a conversation. So it was a very interesting time to live at that orphanage and also see how much of that experience had translated into the years beyond that and how much I've been able to gain through those things. Yes, there were things that were lost, but at the same time, there were things that were gained. Mm-hmm. Yes, I was not able to see my family as often as I wanted to. But I developed elements of self-discipline and self-awareness that I'm extremely grateful for. I mean, when you're in, in that place, see, there was very little room for emotions. Mm. There was very little room for crying. 
much of it maybe has to do with the culture that we are brought up in, especially where in male's case, in my opinion, crying is a weakness. Mm-hmm. Crying is something that you, you shouldn't do because you have to be the stronger one, whatever strong means in that case. Mm-hmm. And then what I learned was that, well, if you're not going to express emotions and if I bottle them in, then there's got to be other ways that I can kind of use that energy to help myself keep moving through those obstacles. And so I processed a lot of my pain that I was experiencing there through poetry. Mm. I'll just write poems and express all those emotions and everything that I was experiencing inside. But ultimately, would like what I'd like to share is that I think for me that orphanage experience is very similar to the many experiences that I that I have in the years beyond that. And mm-hmm. it's that place where you step into it for the first time. You don't know what to expect. You don't know what's going to happen. But yet, you know that this is the place where you have to be. And that's where I think a lot of it really just boils down to going into things without assumptions or expectations. Mm-hmm. And maybe at first, actually, I'll speak for, my, for myself. At first, it was very difficult to understand that. How do you go into a place without making assumptions based on your previous experiences or expecting something? And I guess the way that I've been able to justify that is it's okay to aspire for something, but creating a set of expectations or assumptions based on previous experiences. What I've learned was that I created limitations for myself Mm. because no two experiences are the same. And this okay. goes back to this now, goes so back you, to give us an example because this is really profound what you're saying here. <laughs> <laughs> the the best the best way that I could describe this is this goes back to people. Okay. An example that I could think of is, for example, let's say you have a bad encounter with one individual. Mm-hmm. You met them for the first time. There was something about the energy that did not flow. I'll, I'll speak from a perspective. In the past uh, couple of months, I was able to reconnect with a friend of mine at the time that I met through college. Mm-hmm. And ever since meeting him, there just was there was no alignment when it came to energy. And the other thing that didn't align was how both of us chose to approach conversations. For me, it appeared that in his case, it was very much... Um, direct straight to the point without any opportunity to engage in, well, yes, this might be true, but could X, Y, and Z also be true? So Mm -hmm. open-minded, I felt that the ability to be open-minded was not fully there. Mm -hmm. And then what I learned was that after that experience and some of the other interactions that I had with individuals who shared his energy, that I based my experience with them on the experience that I had with him, mm. the judgments and everything that came into it. Mm-hmm. Oh, they may not be as open-minded. Oh, maybe I shouldn't ask this question because they're probably not going to go that route. Mm-hmm. And then what I realized in that moment was that no two experiences have to be the same. Mm. That just because I had one particular experience with 
the individual from my school. It doesn't mean that every single person that I meet along the way who has similarities between my friend from school and whatever that individual may be, it's going to be the same because in reality, it's not. And the other thing that I've learned is that people are very different chapters of their lives. Mm -hmm. You may be a chapter five. I may be a chapter three. Mm -hmm. And the question that I try and face is how do we create common ground so that you and I can share those chapters and can talk and have a conversation based on what we know. And it's for me, it's one of the more challenging things to do Mm -hmm. to actually go into conversations without the judgment, without assuming, or without wanting to take control of the conversation in order for you to get the desired outcome. Mm-hmm. Now, so this is definitely a skill to be able to mm-hmm. do this because, um, you know, to go into a conversation without judgment is huge, mm-hmm. you know, because a lot of the lens that we use is our own personal experience. So Mm -hmm. for somebody who's listening and, you know, walk them through that process, how do you get to that point to be able to do that? Or a baby step or something you can implement that with? Well, the first thing's first is that this will not happen overnight. (laughs) 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 This is is years and years in the making that I'm able to sum it up in a sentence. Mm -hmm. But for me, what I've learned is that it, it really... In my opinion, everything boils down to leading from within. Mm -hmm. And that's the questions that I ask. And I know that you and I have had a chance to learn more about each other. But for me, the questions that I ask, I genuinely want to know answers to. Mm. And if I lead from that place, I think that's one of the ways that I've been able to, I, I don't know what the right word is, eliminate or maybe put aside those judgments or assumptions that I've been making because the things that I'm asking are the things that I actually want to know information to. Mm. And so I'm not structuring a conversation based on a particular approach or outcome. Mm -hmm. Rather, I'm going into it and understanding that, hey, sure, this person might have had X, Y, and Z experiences, but that's not the only things that that they're capable of adding value in. And that's another thing that I think I struggle with, especially in today's day and age, when it comes to majority of the networking events that Mm -hmm. I have been a part of, Mm -hmm. is that you have to have it so clearly identified who you are, what you do, and what you're looking for, when really, I think that the beauty of what you are looking for comes from asking that unexpected question, or comes from that connection where you haven't put that person in the box and saying, okay, if, I, if I'm looking for these three things and they can't help me with those three things, it means that they can't add value to my life, which is ultimately not true. Yes, right. you may not have the connections to those three things that I'm looking for, but you do have connections to the thousands of other things that I might be looking for that I, that I may not have even noticed that I'm mm-hmm. looking for them. Mm-hmm. And so I, I think for me, as far as a step that I could identify for people is choosing to look within first and ask the questions that you want to know answers to. Mm -hmm. That is so good. And, you know, so 
Um, and that's just your own personal journey, you know, it's mm-hmm. back to you recognizing, you know, what your purpose is, where you're going, and that intentionality, you know, mm-hmm. is just really key. Now, um, walk us through the whole process of, and this would be the last one, kind of like back to the orphanage, is that, you know, you were nine years old, you saw the vision of the orphanage, and that was something physically that you actually saw as an opportunity. Mm-hmm. And then you mentioned that you uh, had the uh, the chance to go to the United States, and that was a different opportunity. That was something that you really had no knowledge of. It was just something new. So now in your life, you know, in looking at opportunity, you know, what you can see and what you can't see, how are you able to connect those two now? You know, how has that allowed you to stretch? Do you understand the question I'm asking? I do. Okay. I, I, well, let's let's put it this way. Hopefully my answer will show it. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> how well I understand it. For me, the, the thing that I realized about my early years is one of the reasons or one of the ways that I might have been able to see that opportunity as a nine-year-old kid and then as a 12-year-old kid prior to being adopted is I firmly believe that I, those were the ages that I started to look at the world differently. Mm-hmm. And what I mean by that is that I looked at the world for not what it was, but for what I aspired it to be. Mm-hmm. And I think there's a big difference between the two. I think there is a big difference in accepting the reality that you're presented with. And then I think there is a difference in striving to create a reality that you aspire to be in. For me, those were very pivotal ages because they have helped me build that foundation. The other thing that I've learned as far as creating opportunities is choosing to look at my past with a growth mindset. I use my past as a foundation to help myself step into new and different opportunities that may or may not have existed to me before. Mm. And the way that I do it is that there there are many elements of it, but to sum it up, I try and identify those painful experiences or those traumatic experiences as lessons to be learned. Mm-hmm. For example, in the case of my birth mom, for the longest time I had this notion that she was an alcoholic, she gave us up, she couldn't take care of us. And a lot of it had to do with how we, actually, in my opinion, how we society paint an image around mm-hmm. those that struggle with alcohol mm-hmm. or homelessness or whatever the issue may be. And what I've learned was that someone else's opinion doesn't have to be my reality Mm. that I can look at my mom differently that I can look at her and I can ask myself the questions. What did I learn from her? Sure. She might've been an alcoholic. Sure. She might not have been able to take care of our family like other parents are able to, but does that mean that she provided absolutely no value to me? And once I started to dig into that, I slowly began to realize that that wasn't true. That unspokenly, she did give me that drive and persistence 
And the reason why I say that is because I remember the times when I used to go out there looking for her on the street. I came up short nine times out of 10, mm-hmm. sometimes 10 out of 10. But the message that I continue to repeat in my head is the same exact message that I repeat in my head today. And that is if I just talk to one more person, if I just take one more way that I haven't seen before, I'm going to get that answer. Mm. And I think that's the beauty of it is that she helped me realize that she didn't, she didn't teach me that directly. I think she taught me that indirectly. Mm. And it's a big element of who I am today and why I'm able to persevere through whatever the odds or obstacles may be in front of me is that I continue to rely on my past as a foundation to go into the future. Now, the circumstances I was born into, Mm -hmm. they don't have to determine my future. And that's, I think, the key difference is understanding how is your past truly serving you? Mm -hmm. Is it limiting you as far as your potential, your beliefs, what you think you can and can't do in this world? Or are you able to look at it from the lens of, yes, those things have happened, but what am I choosing to do with them? Yes, I had a difficult childhood. Can I be different as my own parent? What can I be as a father when I didn't have a father of my own? Mm -hmm. So I think there's a lot to be learned from the past that many of us have been through. Actually, let's put it this way. Every single one of us, because we all have a past. Mm-hmm. And in understanding, how are you going to choose your past to help you be in the present and then create whatever the vision that you aspire for the future? Yeah, that, that's just profound. You know, that is just so key. And one of the things that I want to point out is, you know, this really is so profound at a time like this and mm-hmm. I say in lieu of the current events with people who have been with the past that they feel like they haven't been treated equally because of the color of their skin for whatever reason mm-hmm. and now you know it's a uh, aspiration for a new beginning and what was it that you think happen for you to be able to flip the switch so to speak and look at your past without the poison but looking at the lesson you know because I think right now this is key for a lot of people who we're talking about black lives matter all lives matter whatever the story is you know how is it that you can learn the lesson and leave the poison in the past You know, I think for me, what changed or what happened was that I was asked internally being asked this question of why me? Mm -hmm. And for the longest time, I thought that the answer to that question had to come in this grand gesture type Hollywood blockbuster form. (laughs) (laughs) When, when, When in reality, what I learned is that it was as simple as, if not you, then who else? If it wasn't you that was meant to go through the past that you have, then who else was meant to go through it? 
a friend of mine recently shared a story with me where he mentioned to me that his wife has battled cancer for many, many years. And one day he had a conversation with her and she was struggling in finding positive aspects to look for in life due to the condition that she was in. And he simply put it to her and he said, if it wasn't you that was meant to go through that, who else is going to go through it? What are you going to do? Go in the street and say, hey, I'm tired of it. Here you go. You deal with it. That's not how circumstances work. And so for me, that question, that initial question of why me, gave me an opportunity to really reflect upon my life and identify that value within it. The other thing that I'd like to point out is this. My experience, my circumstances, and the adversity that I had faced oftentimes are followed up with the following comments. That's unbelievable. That's once one, one of a kind. Mm -hmm. And what I would like to add on to that is that my adversity is my adversity. Mm -hmm. I don't believe in diminishing anyone else's adversity. Mm. And so for anyone that's listening to this, you do not have to have gone the path that I have. You do not have to be in an orphanage. You do not have to be born in a foreign country. You do not have to experience a set of obstacles that I experience within my family dynamic to understand that you have a story that is worthwhile of telling, that your experience does matter, and that someone else's adversity is not any greater or less than compared to yours. Mm. Because whatever you've been through, whatever that you're going through, it's completely unique to who you are. And the other question that I'd like to share with listeners that has really helped me to step even beyond what I understood was a question that I was asked within this past year. And the question was, how much longer are you going to carry the trauma of your past? Mm. I think when we talk about the current circumstances and the different things that are happening within this world, a lot of it is based on trauma of our past. Mm -hmm. And so the question becomes, are you going to carry the trauma of your past or are you going to use that trauma to help you build your future? Mm -hmm. So when we talk about race, when we talk about not understanding many of the elements of this world, without a doubt, we can be in that space where we don't know what we don't know and therefore, we're not going to take any action moving forward. Or we can embrace it and choose to go into those spaces that, are, that were unknown once upon a time mm -hmm. and learn the different things, have the different conversations. As I mentioned with you and, and the conversation that even you and I had on our podcast, mm -hmm. when I had the opportunity to speak to a friend of mine who is black American and it was the first time that him and I had a conversation around the color of his skin and how that impacted his life and everything. Mm -hmm. For me, even though I felt uncomfortable in the fact that I didn't even know what questions to ask because I've never had such conversation, mm -hmm. I still chose to step into it mm -hmm. because let's face it, we don't know everything about life. I think mm -hmm. that's a fact. 
And I also think it's interesting how once you think you know something, you know and then nothing. you all of a sudden know nothing. <laughs> how yeah. is that true? And that's the most fascinating part. And so I think in this case, I hope that it opens up our eyes to more to see, more to discover, and more to explore. Mm-hmm. Now, don't get me wrong. There's a lot of courage that gets developed in asking that question of why you? Mm-hmm. Why were you the one that was put through the different obstacles, whether it's of your past or even the most recent events? COVID-19. People lost jobs. Question becomes, why you? Why are you the one that is going to somehow use that experience to change the trajectory of your life moving forward? Mm. That's good. That's really good. Mm -hmm. So, in conclusion, you know... um, for somebody who wants to begin that journey of having that courage to step into those uncomfortable situations, you know, and um, really going within, I mean, what is a small step that you believe that somebody can build on on a regular basis to kind of, you know, take that journey because, you know, you even mentioned something profound about you looked at your past with mm-hmm. a growth mindset. I mean, that just so many nuggets I'm telling mm-hmm. you that people might miss. So you, let's just stay there. So if, you know, we're dealing with the Black Lives Matter, you know, protesting, how do we look at our past with a growth mindset? So what does that look like? Well, for me, I think the first question I would ask is that in the case of the protests and everything that we're experiencing Mm -hmm. is that as an individual, one question that I might consider is, why am I doing this? Mm. What am I actually supporting? Mm -hmm. What movement am I being a part of? Mm -hmm. Why does this really resonate with me? And through that, try and go as deep as you can. Go beyond the surface of what you're seeing right now. Because what I've learned is that oftentimes, the reason why you may feel so motivated and compelled to engage with X, Y, and Z is that in many cases, not all, it is something that you're trying to change about your past. When you think about making the decision to adopt, it maybe has something to do with not being loved when you were younger or wanting to pass on the elements of love that you had received from your parents. Mm. I think in this case as well, when we talk about the things that are happening in regard to the protest. In my opinion, it also speaks to something that many of us humans want. And that's the ability to be heard, to be seen, and to be understood. And so in asking those questions about our past, in asking the questions about our family members, 
that may not have treated us the right way when we were younger, that might have battled alcohol-related issues. Mm-hmm. Yes, those things could be true. But if you're going to give that individual the time and effort in analyzing that side of them, then you've got to do the same thing for the other side. Mm. That's key. (laughs) Because there are probably things that I've taught you, without a doubt. Every single person, and that's I think that's the beauty of life, and I do believe that this is an acquired skill that you get throughout time, is that I firmly believe everyone you meet knows something you don't. Mm -hmm. Everyone. Even the conversations that you might be in and you ask yourself the question of why am I still talking to this person is because the reason why you may feel uncomfortable is, has nothing to do with who that person really is. It's something inside of you that you feel uncomfortable with yourself. Mm. So everything starts within. I believe that. Mm-hmm. If there are any quote-unquote ultimatums to life, it, that's one of them. That the whole journey starts within. How you interact with others starts with the relationship that you have with yourself. Mm-hmm. You know, when we talk about having a best friend, I've actually never heard this from anyone, including myself. Why do we not answer with the possibility that your best friend is you? Mm. Why do we look externally before we look internally? You know, is there an approach that one answer that I come up that I could come up with is that it may appear more selfish if you choose to look internally instead of externally. But in reality, if you become best friends with your own inner self, mm-hmm. in my opinion, you can get you you just put yourself in a position where you can have significantly deeper and higher and whatever other form of conversation that you aspire to have with other people. Mm-hmm. I remember when I was listening to an, I think this was an interview of Snoop Dogg mm-hmm. that Jimmy Kimmel had played on his show. And Snoop Dogg was asked this question of, who are you grateful for? And he says, me. Mm-hmm. He said, I'm grateful for myself, for all the challenges that I put myself through and continue to find a way for the belief that I instilled in myself. And it was fascinating for me to hear that perspective Mm -hmm. because it just showed me the fact that how often do we choose to give credit to the external world without Mm -hmm. really choosing to look within. Mm -hmm. And I think in the case of protests and everything that's happening at this particular time, I think it's very similar. There is a reason why you're actually choosing to go protest. There is a reason why there's this fire that's burning inside of you to put on your shoes, to possibly skip work, Mm -hmm. to go protest amongst thousands of other people. Mm -hmm. But what is that reason? Where does it ultimately come from? Where's that fuel? Where did it start? Mm. What was your experience with law enforcement? Were you ever discriminated against? Mm -hmm. 
and the, the other thing that I'll point to that is that I think we all have faced elements like, like that. Mm-hmm. You know, it's not necessarily one specific group. Yes, don't get me wrong. Some groups experience different things. But to that point, I'll also say that it's not necessarily one group experiences more and the other group experiences less. It's just we all experience it in different forms. Mm. Think about Native American groups. To this state, they're almost non-existent. Mm-hmm. And the things that have, that have been done to them in this country and the land and whatever other form of ownership they had, mm-hmm. it's almost entirely vanished. Mm-hmm. So I think there's a lot to be said by choosing to look internally first and really asking yourself those set of questions. If you go into the protest, what are you protesting for? Mm -hmm. What do you aspire to change? Mm -hmm. Outside of what you are told as the marketing message or whatever other message that you are seeing in the external world internally, what's that message within you? What do you want to see? Because I think when when you engage from that place, in my opinion, that's when you can actually make that change mm-hmm. because the conversations you have and the encounters that you will have moving forward are going to be leading from the place that you actually understand. Mm. So true. That is just mm-hmm. so profound. Well, that is just a great uh, takeaway from today is to begin to look internally first and decide what do you aspire to change? You know, mm-hmm. that is just so awesome. So uh, tell everybody what's the best way to follow you and uh, connect with you because you also have your own podcast. Mm-hmm. So the, yeah. the best way that I think people can connect with me personally would be through LinkedIn. That's where I spent a good portion of my time on in connecting with other people. Beyond that, as far as the organization that we started three to four years ago called Overcoming Odds. I would say either through our website, and that is overcomingodds.today. And the meaning behind that name actually is I firmly believe that you can start to overcome the different obstacles and the obstacles and the challenges that you have today. You don't have to wait till tomorrow. You don't have to wait till next year. There is one action, whatever that action may seem like that you can take in this particular time and place. And then beyond that, I would just say any other form of social media for people who are interested in hearing stories of other individuals who have faced hardships in their lives and either found or actively finding ways to work through them. Mm -hmm. And then for anyone that's interested in sharing their own story or a place to like I mentioned, to be heard, to be seen, and to be appreciated. Mm-hmm. We've developed this forum through our website where people can share their narratives. And my, my hope and the intention is that once people share, hopefully they can develop a slightly different perspective or an understanding of their past circumstances and experiences that can hopefully help them unleash their potential 
to move forward. That was so awesome. And, I mean, a great um, journey to take. You know, I know mm-hmm. it's not easy, but it's uh, so just liberating to witness people have those transformations. It's like a breath of fresh air and mm-hmm. continues to give you something to aspire to in terms of those opportunities that you can't see and mm-hmm. to watch them manifest before you. So. That is amazing. Well, I just love this conversation. I love when we uh, have a conversation because there's so much enlightenment and ways to uh, experience life with the richness of looking beyond what you see, but to things that you can't see. Mm -hmm. So thanks so much for sharing, Oleg. And uh, are there any last words that you would like to share with the audience? You know, the biggest thing that I've learned throughout the past couple of months is, in my opinion, nothing in life worth doing is easy. Mm-hmm. Everything has its own process. And there was a book that I read a couple of weeks ago, and it, it's somewhat related to quote-unquote personal development. It's called The Millionaire Investor by Gary Keller. Mm-hmm. And the, the content or majority of the content within the book is focused on kind of real estate investing in different ways to build up your financial wealth. But for me, the messages that I was reading from those pages were very much relevant to life. One of the first ones is knowing your criteria. What do you want? How are you going to get it? And who's going to help you get it? Mm-hmm. I think those three things can be applicable to any situation. The other thing that he had mentioned that really stood out to me from that book is everyone can do it, but not everyone will. Mm. And that was just such a profound statement because in my opinion, that is so true. Mm -hmm. And the reason why it's true is because we have the resources. Really think about your life. You have every single possible resource that you need in order for you to create the life that you envision. Mm-hmm. Now that resource may not look like you envision it to be. It may come in a different form. It may come in a different time, a different conversation, but the resource is always there. And I think that was the beauty of reading that message was that when it comes to resources and all these other things that we need, or that we aspire for in order to help us take whatever steps that we need moving forward, they're all there. Mm -hmm. The question becomes is how are you looking at each one? Are you looking at X, Y, and Z as a resource or not? Mm. Are you looking at this conversation as an opportunity for you to dig deeper or not? And so I thought that was a very profound statement how he put it. Mm. Everyone can do it, but not everyone will. And I don't know why not everyone will. And maybe it just goes, maybe that's an internal question. Mm. Because I will say this, that once you go on this journey, and I'm sure that you can relate to this as well, is that this is a hell of a ride. Mm -hmm. This is a very difficult journey to be on, without a doubt. And I think the biggest reason why, in my opinion, is because there's no blueprint to any of it. You can't Google. 
what's my blueprint for the next 20 years? Right. And just follow those steps. You have to create those steps. Mm-hmm. And hi- hindsight will always be 2020. You can always look back and say, oh, I could have done this differently or I should have done this differently. But in reality, it's that you, you, didn't, you only knew what you knew. And so every mm-hmm. single day, you're, you're making a decision based off of what you know and what you think might come from it. Mm-hmm. So that's, that's the thing that I would like to share with people is that it's a difficult journey to start, but it's a worthwhile one. So awesome. Well, that's great. Well, I want to thank you again, Oleg, and I'm looking forward to our next collaboration. <laughs> Absolutely. Thank you for All having right. me on. You are so welcome, and you have a wonderful afternoon, okay? You too. Thank you. Uh-huh. Bye-bye. Another great interview. I love that lasting point. Everyone can do it, but not everyone will. What are some things that are holding you back from doing what you can do? This is a good question for us all to ponder. If you're interested in being a guest on the podcast, please email me at info at com. You can also reach out to me through Facebook, LinkedIn, Instagram, Pinterest, or my YouTube channel. I would love to have you as a guest on the show to share your insights with the world. If there is something in this podcast episode that resonated with you, please feel free to share it with other people. That doesn't cost us anything to pay it forward and give valuable insight that could be a lifeline for someone else. A change in perspective can change your life. Thanks again for listening and have a great day.